0: Well, let's let's open our Bibles this morning, and let's go to the book of 1 Samuel. And um, thank you so much, ladies, for the good singing. I really appreciate the good singing. Um, I just love those times, and God will take a song like that and work it into your heart and just remind you that you've not uh, trusted in, um, you know, there it talks about... Um, uh, I can't think of the word that he uses now. We've not uh, cunningly devised fables is the word that I'm using. We have trusted in the living God who created heaven and earth. And he said this word is forever settled in heaven. And it'd be easier, heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never pass away. And it will come to pass. And um, so God's word is settled. It's forever settled. And uh, I thank the Lord for doing that, preserving His Word for us this morning. We're in First Samuel, and we're going to begin our uh, reading this morning in chapter number 15. And um, I just felt like the Lord would want me to preach. I, I, you know, it's some of the most difficult times, you would think, the easiest times to moderate or, or pastor, you know, in, in the services, when the service gets good and the Lord moves, it's almost... Harder to discern what to do Than it is in kind of more normal times Where you know what you're going to do and So I just want to mind the Lord this morning Do what the Lord wants me to do And, and um, I believe the Lord wants me to go ahead and preach So that's 1 Samuel chapter 15 And let's just catch up quickly um, on this man Saul We've been looking at the life of Saul um, And how that, you know, Saul uh, became a man uh, of self He was a selfish man um, of his own choosing. Uh, he became this way. I believe any Christian can become this way of their own choosing. They can be their own demise, their own ruin, um, can be saved by the grace of God, can be sp- filled with the Spirit of God and walking in that good spirit, and then somewhere along the way begin to make decisions contrary to that and walk in the flesh. And um, <clears throat> so we need to be careful about presenting the Christian life. Uh, or the filling of the Spirit, however you believe that subject, uh, as though it's a one-time fix-all, because that is not going to be the case in your life. It'll be get up every day of your life, moment by moment, choose to do right, and yield yourself to the Lord and not to yourself. And die and deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. And so uh, sometimes I think we get uh, that idea. And then we get kind of aggravated when things don't go right later on. And uh, well, we can see what happens in the life of Saul. We've looked uh, seriously at how uh, the uh, man was a saved man. In my opinion now, I believe he's a spirit-filled man. He was a humble man. He was small in his own eyes. He was a strong man. We're not talking about a coward here. At the beginning uh, of his his ministry Uh, He was a supported man God touched hearts and put men around him To support him in the work Um, He was a smart man He was no dummy Uh, He knew how to operate in the world and among people and in leadership even. He showed mercy uh, as a spiritual person. He uh, did build an altar eventually. We remember reading that. And, um, you know, he he did seemingly pay tribute to the Lord in places, you know, even when it was a little bit too little, too late. Remember, he, he, uh, uh, the first time we read him uh, uh, building an altar and seeking after God he, uh, was at the encouragement of the priest. He wasn't going to do that. He was going to go on and just do what he wanted to, and the priest said, no, you better seek God, what you better do. And you finally reading, seeing, uh, uh, doing that, and so we see some spiritual aspects of his life. Uh, and we're looking mostly at the good things there. Uh, he was a successful man, you know. God chose him out, put him over the people. He won battles. Um, he and then we started into this look uh, at him being a sinful man. And um, again, it's my it's my estimation that he did not know what all was in him until the Lord faced him with trials, right? Uh, The trying of your faith, which is much more precious than gold that perisheth. Um, Lean not on your own understanding But in all thy ways acknowledge him Trust not your own heart Because it's deceitful above all things Desperately wicked Who can know it And so uh, all those things that we know About progressively uh, working And walking in the Lord As the Lord conforms us to an image Don't ever forget that God started this work You didn't Right Right And so God began a work in you And he is going to perform that Regardless of what happens Or what you think needs to happen God is concerned about conforming you to his son And so if you can't be happy in that That's your problem, right? What well, we've got to learn to do is have joy in that. And that's where, where I'll joy in my uh, tribulations. And knowing that tribulations where spirit, spirit patient, hope, and all those wonderful things. And so uh, we've got to learn how to be joyful in those things and not find only peace and joy and rest outside of any trials or afflictions, right? God's teaching us how to become like Christ. And so um, as he does that, he does that according to the power that's in us. And uh, so Saul is no different now, I realize we're in the Old Testament I realize there are some differences uh, That uh, most of you If you've been in church any amount of time You understand uh, But in, in, the, in the essence of what I'm looking at here As a saint A child of God Walking with God um, uh, This man made some bad decisions That ended up hurting himself And a whole lot of other people Now he didn't seem to really care About how much it hurt everybody else But he, he did care when it began to hurt him and, um, and so he lost his testimony. He lost uh, uh, everything that God had given him. God took it away. Um, all those things that we see when God begins to deal with him in judgment, thank God God's long suffering, right? God's not, um, uh, could have been a lot harsher with this man a lot earlier on, uh, but then he gives him, when we come to chapter 15, if you'll remember from chapter 14, what had happened there uh, when Saul answered him in verse 44 and God do so more also unto me thou shalt surely die Jonathan if you remember what happened we were talking about how that Jonathan had won the great victories in the battle and then he called to sin he, remember God wouldn't hear him God wouldn't answer him uh, anyway, and so Jonathan, uh, he so he said, draw lots between me and the people, my son. And then it come down to him and Jonathan. And then it stood there, and it failed to Jonathan. And Jonathan confessed and was honest, and he said, "Look, I, I ate, you know, when I shouldn't have." Of, evidently, I, Jonathan didn't know that they had made this agreement or this oath uh, not to. When Saul adjured the people, and so uh, so Jonathan is honest with this, and then got, and then Saul is so caught up in his own. World that he even tells his own son, you're going to die. And he calls it a sin. But I, I mean, obviously we know that's a problem. He, he didn't even know that they took the oath. Uh, and uh, so anyway, long story short, we kind of end on that note in verse 45 of chapter 14 of 1 Samuel. And the people said to Saul, shall Jonathan die who has brought this great salvation in Israel? God forbid, as the Lord liveth, that not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground. And so the people kind of take sides here against Saul. And uh, then we come in to chapter number 15. Verse number 1, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over all his, pe- over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Now we read a statement like that and we pass by that pretty quick. Um, we don't we don't see sin the way God does it, do we? When I when I look at sin, I look at myself and I think, well, I know what God brought me from, but I'm not that anymore. And and uh, when I see somebody doing something, um, you know, that in my mind I think is really bad, uh, I look at them as being worse than me, right? Like if you see somebody commit adultery on their wife, you, 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 you think, man, that's awful, that's terrible. I mean, you really look at them, and that's a great sin, is it not? You see somebody caught up in, in fornication to young people that are unmarried, and they're, and they're caught up in fornication and all those things. You look at that, and, that's, and that is really bad, amen? That's not a good thing. But something as little as I didn't obey the words of the Lord exactly the way that it should have been, we would be like, well, you know, I did pretty good. I was 75% obedient, right? And so I, we'd go on like nothing ever happened. But God doesn't view things that way, does he? Partial obedience is disobedience, Right? And so, I'm not, I, I, God's not a man like us. God doesn't look at sin like you and I look at it. We're awful easy on it, aren't we? Because we're full of it, full of sin. And God's not. And God hates sin, does he not? And his face is against them that do evil. God hates sin, he hates the workers of iniquity. And, and so God looks at sin a little bit different. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I'd have kept Moses out of the promised land. I don't know if I'd have kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden, would you? I'd done a lot worse than that. But see, I'm not the standard by which God's judging the world. His son is, who's perfect harmless, undefiled, separate from sinner. So I don't care you think, well, I'm a pretty good old boy. I don't, I don't sin like they do. I'm not a drunk. I'm not a committing adultery on my wife. I'm not cheating. I'm not, I'm not committing fornication. I'm not doing all these things. Yeah, but if you've disobeyed God even partially one time, is enough for you to go to hell. Because God is not like man. We've got to see God as he really is. When we see that word holy, that means something to God. We think we're holy and we're really not a lot of times, are we? We think because we've not cussed or we've not drank or we don't smoke cigarettes or we don't, we think we're holy. God's holy as in there's nothing that has ever entered into the thought life of the mind of God that has been unholy. Every part of his being is wrapped up in holiness. God will not satisfy his holiness to save a sinner. And so when God looks at sin, He looks at it differently than you and I do. I feel like it's pretty rough on old Saul. Saul's done a pretty good job, right. in my estimation. He's been more obedient than a lot of Baptists. Amen. That's right, right. And so I look at him that. Wow, old Saul's a good old boy. He ain't done that bad. Hey, I ain't seen him. I haven't seen him try to kill a man after he slept with his wife and got her pregnant. Haven't seen that out of Saul. Have you? That God sees something in the heart of Saul that we have not yet seen, It does he? And God's pulling that out of him. And he brings him to these places and, and, and gives him opportunities to obey God or disobey God. So being saved and spirit-filled doesn't mean that you're going to automatically mind God and obey God and live in the will of God, right? It's still a personal decision that you're going to make every day to get up and mind God. And so... Saul's faced with these situations. He, he, we've come up to the place that, uh, uh, just to give you quickly, in looking at the sinfulness um, of Saul, uh, is that he's a, he's a man full of distractions. If you remember, we looked at uh, him numbering the people. He's more concerned with numbers. He doesn't really have faith in God. He doesn't really think he's, that, uh, well, we surely can't win because we've only got 6,000 and they've got 20,000. So he's a man full of fear. He's, he's not living by faith. He's not walking by faith. He's, 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 uh, uh, um, he's distracted with a lot of things, and we'll see some of them. He's a man that is, uh, has a problem with dominion. Remember in chapter number 14, he, uh, in my estimation, it was a matter of control. He wanted control, and he wanted credit over that whole situation that Jonathan was in. Uh, he was a man uh, that is, uh, has a problem with disobedience. Um, he's not uh, uh, Samuel here indicts him uh, here in just a moment that you have not obeyed the words of the Lord right he's disobedient and uh, so uh, we see that we see uh, also that he's he has a problem with, he's, he's got disregard in his life he went a long time before he built an altar a long time before he really worshipped God went too long you shouldn't go two years without us hearing about some kind of worship in your life right <laughs> That's not a good sign. And uh, so uh, at least of what we're reading now, what we have account of. And so he's, he's, he's got disregard in his life, it seems like. He's not even sought God until the priest tells him he ought to. He's not even asked God, God, do you think we should do this? He's just going to go do it, it. Remember, he goes full the people. He said, let's go. And the people said, yeah, go on. And then the priest said, hold on, ask God. So he's, he tries to ask God and God doesn't even answer him. It's too late then. Right? Don't wait too late to see God about something. And then don't be upset when he don't clean up the mess because you got into it with ever asking him to begin with. You wanted it. He let you have it. Now you clean it up. Not all the time, thank the Lord, but there's times God will let you do that. Now. So we come down here and we see that he's also a man not only is distracted, not only got disobedience, not only got a problem with dominion, he got disregard to worship, disregard to sacrifice in his life unto God, but we also see that he's got a problem with denying self. He's a man that's full of self. And we see um, in 1 Samuel 14, 24, we looked at that. Um, we saw in chapter 13 that he made excuses for sin. He was, he was more concerned with self-preservation, right? And now what we're going to see in chapter 15, we're going to see a man that begins to get more concerned with his own image, right? He's just full of self. What really matters to him is what everybody thinks about it. What matters to him is that his own skin's okay, or he gets revenge where he wants it. He's just all concerned about himself. He don't care about nobody else. He doesn't care about. He says that he does, but he don't care about nobody else in his actions. And he sure he surely has not shown any care for the will of God in his life. Right? So. Saul tells him, now remember he's done told him, he said, God has taken the kingdom away from you. Now this is where I get how that God, I think would have led him to continue to reign at least in his life. But he has taken the eternal kingdom away from him. He establishes that through David, right? Your throne will be forever, right? I'm going to build you a house. (laughs) And of your seed, through David, comes Jesus after after the power of an endless life, And he's going to reign forever. Hallelujah. But through Saul, God takes it away from him. So I think, because look at what happens in chapter 15. Verse 1, Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee king over the people. Now therefore, hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Why is he giving him another chance to rule and another chance to obey God? He's still king. Look at verse 2. Thus say the Lord of hosts, I remember that when Amalek did to Israel how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and and utterly destroy all that they have. Spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Now that's God's word. Go in there and don't leave a single person alive. I want you to kill every one of them. I want you to kill their children. I want you to kill their sheep. I want you to destroy the whole place. Wipe them off the map. God didn't say save nothing. He didn't say do this. He didn't say offer me sacrifices. God doesn't need a sacrifice. God just told him what to do, and he did not follow what God told him to do. So what happens? He gets into the battle. He spares one company, which I I guess God's okay with. God didn't say spare anybody, but they weren't technically of that clan. So I, I imagine that was okay. I didn't see any rebuke for that. It seemed like the right thing to do. He's still showing mercy. He tells them, you know, since you were good to me, basically, kind of deal as a pay to play situation there, seemed like. It wasn't because God spared them or they loved God or anything like that, it's because of Saul and his silk. But anyway, I guess that's an okay thing to do. But what happens? The Bible gives the account of the story, which is who given the account? Who's telling us this story? God the Holy Ghost, right? God is telling us what happened, and he said, Saul and the people. Let's look at that verse. And so Saul, sm- the, the Amalekites, in verse number 7, look at verse 9. Or verse number 8, he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly stored all the people at the edge of the sword. Verse 9, verse Samuel 15, but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep. So when God gives record of what happened in the situation, Saul and the people are indicted with this wrong, right? They both did it. Now, I don't know that the people knew, so I can't really speak for them. But here's what we do know. God told that man what to do, no doubt about it. Don't spare nobody. Kill every one of them. Now, that's uncomfortable to think about, God. But that's the God of your Bible, And I'm not apologizing for it. I'm not making excuses for it. That's what God did. He rained fire and brimstone and destroyed cities. I, listen, God's holy. He ought to be feared. And, and as, the, as the one man said uh, you know uh, well how can a, an a holy God and a just and a loving God let sinners go to hell that has never been the question it's obvious why God would put sinners in hell for their rebellion and disobedience and their sin that's not been the question to me the real question is how in the world could God let a sinful wretched man live forever in his heaven and justify it? that's the question I understand how God can destroy the Amalekites. God should have destroyed me and you, but He had mercy. And I'll have mercy on who I have mercy. And I'll show grace. So listen, he goes in, he saw and the people, they spare, they spare the king, they spare the best. And he comes down and he looks for, and Samuel comes looking for him. And so go with me down to verse number, uh, 12. Samuel rose up early to meet Saul in the morning. It was told Saul uh, came to Carmel and look at verse 13. And Samuel came to Saul and Saul said unto him, blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. No, you haven't. No, 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 you haven't. He's even defiant up to the point. He he says it again. Yea, I have obeyed the words of the Lord. And I've gone where God told me to go. But if God told you to take the red truck instead of the white one. Now, I'm getting silly just to try to break things up here a little bit. But... You didn't obey God if you took the white truck instead of the red. I'm sorry. If, if God gave you, now if he didn't say nothing and God said I want you to go to Kingston and you drive and you go to Kingston, I don't guess it matters. But if God gave you specific instructions on what to do you better mind God. And you better not leave one thing undone. And it's very important. So God tells him don't wipe the whole crowd out. And so that was the voice of the Lord coming from the man of God. And what does Saul end up doing? He spares some in some supposed devotion. And, and again, I, I, I'm assuming that it's, that he is really meaning to do this. I, I, I don't know. At the time now, let's not read ahead. Let's just think in the middle of this situation. So he gets into this battle and God says, I remember what those Amalekites did to my people. Isn't it wonderful? He has this little deal with Saul and Saul is going on and it looks like it's all about Saul and Saul's disobedient and Saul offers a sacrifice where he should and we're all focused on Saul. And chapter number 15, God comes back and says, I remember the people. (laughs) Thank the Lord. God loves his people. Even in the midst of a crooked ruler. And, uh, and so God comes, comes back around and, and, and says, now listen, I remember what they did to my people and here's what you're going to go do. And gives him exact instructions on what to do and Saul almost fulfills it, but he leaves a little part out. So what, what are you saying, brother? I'm saying this. We shouldn't think too well of ourselves. It's like, well, you know, we, we're bad about making excuses. Here, 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 here's what Samuel didn't do. Samuel knew what God had told him because he told him what God said. And Samuel said, no, you didn't obey God. That's what you didn't do. You think you've obeyed the commandment of the Lord, but you didn't. And he sets him straight. Here's what he didn't do. Well, you know what? You did pretty good. You know, I mean, everybody sins. Everybody has problems. Don't worry about it, Saul. In fact, I think you ought to still be a king. These kings do a lot worse than you. that's how we're supposed to be, right? But, Clint, uh, 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 see, here's here's what we've got to remember. Especially in positions in the church, positions in leadership, God holds high expectations on people that much is expected and much is required unto whom much is given. And if a man has a position, and he has a position of power or authority especially, God's going to require obedience out of him that he might not fully with somebody else. I don't know. That's God's business, Right? And, but what, what we want to do is we you know we we try to do that same thing. We try to hold up a standard. Uh, if you're going to sing specials, you ought to live a certain way. Somebody out here fornicating, I don't want to listen to you sing about Jesus on this stage. And I'm not the bad guy. You're the one doing it, not me. Saul didn't say, Well, just keep being king. Samuel didn't say, Well, everybody has problems. We've all just messed up. We've all just and, that, and that's true. We all have. But you're not going to be king over God's people when you're a selfish, self-willed, self-concerned, disregarding God and living in open rebellion to the Word of God. You're not going to be involved in the specials. Well, and people get mad about that. Uh, You know, well, that's not my fault. I'm not the one uh, that's doing it. I'm not the one involved in it. But I am going to do my best to try to hold up a standard and try to live right and show and properly reflect the proper character of God to this community. So I don't like that. There's plenty of churches that don't. You can go join them. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm not trying to be ugly. But I'm not fighting. I'm not arguing about it. That's just where we're going to be. And if you're going to get out here and you're going to be involved and sending new pictures. And you're going to be involved in open rebellion to the word of God. And rebellion to your parents. And rebellion. Your life is marked by rebellion and lies and deceitfulness and wickedness and darkness and blackness. And then get up here and talk about Jesus. I don't want to hear nothing you've got to say. I disagree with that. I don't care if you do or not. I do not care if you disagree with that or not. Saul had a problem. He disobeyed God at one point of his life, and God ripped the kingdom from him. We just look at things like, well, everybody's got problems. I'm so tired. We use that as an excuse to just continue in rebellion, continue to be unfaithful, and continue to be sinful. That's all we're doing. One of the greatest days of my life is when somebody dropped the plow and dropped it in granny low and just started pulling them stumps up out of my life. Amen. And you're deceived to get up here, live an open rebellion, your life marked in open rebellion, and then get up here and sing and raise your hand and rejoice and act like everything's okay. What you need to do is get the sin corrected in your life and repent. But what we want to do is just glass over everything because we're failures or glass over everything because this one fa- I'm not going to do that, folks. God has held up a standard and God doesn't need new ways of doing his business and God still wants holy people doing God's holy work. I said, so, well, the same God that said this is the God of your New Testament. Is he not? Does he have less expectations for us under grace than he does for these under the law? Because that kind of thinking is shared by minute. And if you believe that, you're in the wrong crowd. Because that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches God expects more out of me than he ever did Saul. God commands me to live holy as God is holy. And so what what I'm afraid begins to happen is when we start to lower our standard, we start to drop the expectation, and we start to lower everything, or just any old body can just... Listen, I don't think that preaching ought to be a position for just any old body. You're going to abandon yourself to God. Your will, your desires, your dreams, your aspirations, your hopes are written down on a paper and you're going to set fire to it to obey God. God. Deacons do much the same thing. There's an expectation upon them. The Old Testament, those that were involved, I know they were Levites, or they were involved in the music. Man, there was expectations upon those people. And we get anymore of this idea that because we're so laxed on sin when everything's just okay and let's just all rejoice and float off to heaven. It's not all about just rejoicing. Listen, I, I, I know so many people. I, I want to say something here. Saul uh, seems to recognize some things in himself. Saul seems to recognize that he's fairly selfish. How many times does Saul admit, I've done foolishly. I've sinned, David. You're a much better person than I am. Is that not what he said? At least twice. And what did he do? Right back to trying to kill it. Recognizing a failure in your life doesn't make you any better off. In fact, it may make you worse off that you know it and won't deal with it. Then a person that's flat out deceived and they don't know any better. Amen. But I've heard people tell me all the time, well, at least I know I'm a mess. Like somehow that excuses the fact for us to just be a mess. Well, at least I know it. Well, you're worse off because if God's give you the lie, you better repent and get it right. Amen. There's some things I don't think he does know. But then there's a lot he does become aware of. I know this is wrong. I know I've missed it here. He's going to tell us. Now first he starts off with, I've obeyed God. Well, you know that's a lie. No, you haven't. You partway did. But you know what ends up really happening? He He doesn't really obey God because he can't tell the people no. He's a hireling. He's a man pleaser. See, he's concerned when y'all are going to leave. Yeah. Saul's the kind of fellow that's, that's, that's not going to say things because he's afraid of how people are going to think. See, what he should have done is told them people, if the people were responsible now, which I have to kind of, when I read the account, maybe it was them that had decided, you know, but he was involved in it too. And it was his responsibility to look at him and say, no, we're not saving anybody. God said, kill them all. He's the one in charge you know what happened? He, he, out of his own mouth, he said, I feared the people. That's his own words. And because I was afraid of the people, here we are. And we've saved the best. He tries to pretty it up. But yeah, we were going to offer it to God. God doesn't need nothing from you. Right. What God needs you to do is obey him. Yes. Right. Right. That's all God wants you to do is just obey. Right. It makes our life so simple if you think about it. All I got to do is exactly what God told me. It's, it's simple. Now, it's hard to do. It's hard living. But ain't a lot to figure out, right? Let God do all that. So this disobedient man hears the words of God, gets in the situation, saves the ox and the sheep and the best of the best of the best of the best because he's going to offer that to God. And, and, and then he summarizes what he did as obeying God. And and we do that so many times in our life, we think, well, I'm 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 75% in. I'm I know I still drink, I know I still cuss, and I I know I still do I, I know all them things, but you know everything's gonna be all right. I, I I I go to church, I mean I'm pretty faithful to church, show up, I tithe too. And you start weighing out the good with the bad, don't you? <laughs> That is, what, what God's concerned about is 100% obedience to what he said to do. Let, let, if it hair lips the devil, it don't make no difference. Just do what God told you to do. So they're going to be mad if I do it. Let them be mad. It won't be the first time. Well, it's going it's to hurt this person's feeling. I don't know how many people in our life that we've let fall because we were afraid to hurt their feelings and tell them the truth. How many people in our life right now claim to be saved and you've never seen them read a Bible, never seen them pray, never seen them go to church? They know nothing about Jesus, don't care about Jesus, hate God's people, hate God's Word. There's not a thing you could make up to try to back up the the fact they've made a profession of faith. And how many of them we don't tell because we're afraid we're going to hurt them? Right? What's wrong there? Well, we're concerned about ourselves, aren't we? And that seems what Saul did. Saul starts considering the people more than he does. See, and, and, I, and, I th- and I thank God for this church because that's the way I, I believe the majority, if not all, of this church is. We just want you, Brother Clint, to follow God. Can I get an amen there, church? Amen. Brother Clint, you just follow God. Don't start worrying. I might get mad. <laughs> that, was, that was my thing with Brother Jeff. I'm probably going to get my feelings hurt. But if, God, if it's in the Word of God and God said, preach it, preach it. Amen. And I'll do my best to get it right. <laughs> still working on that but just preach it don't don't consider my feeling don't think about how it's going to affect me just preach the bible right and so saul starts him to and see that's what that's what a hireling and a man pleaser is is he's a selfish person although we call him a man pleaser he doesn't really care about the people because he's doing what will hurt them right so he does, it's not that he really likes the people. It's really that he's a self-pleaser and he uses men to do it. It makes him feel better to do things that make you happy. Right? He's not doing it for God. He doesn't care about God. If it makes you happy and makes you like him, then he's going to do it. That's a hireling. That's a man-pleaser. I don't want a man like that. You know why? Because he's going to get all of us killed. <laughs> hey, just follow God. Just follow God. And Saul recognizes some things in his life, but you know what he didn't do? He didn't ever repent. Never. far as we know. He admitted to seeing it. Let's go on and read it. He said, I, I, verse, 7 1 Samuel 15, 15 Saul said, They brought them from me, the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And the rest, we. Look at the language. Isn't that tricky? And it says so cute. Look at this. Like a, it's like a 10-year-old coming to tell you the story about how, what they did wrong. Any of your parents ever heard a story like this from your kid? Here's how they tell it. How, they, they'll paint it up to make it look like it was the best way possible. So disregard the fact that I've completely rebelled against everything you've told me to do as your child, Brother Nathan. Just don't worry about none of that. What you need to understand is my intent was right. I really didn't do as bad as I could. Uh, this one did worse. Uh, you know, all those, that's how they tell the story. It's not, I'm sorry that I have rebelled against the expectations and the rule and law of my father. That doesn't matter. I almost obeyed. I kind of obeyed. And it was everybody else's fault and everybody's work. And they painted up to make you less mad at them. What, what are they? They don't care about you. They don't care that they've offended. their their daddy. They don't care that they've offended God. There's no godly sorrow in their heart. They're just wanting to uh, self-preservation is what they're concerned about. I just don't want to be punished as harshly as I think I deserve. So I'm going to tell the story in a manner to get you not to hurt me. That's the way they tell it. Well, I know I rebelled against you, but here's, here's what here's what does here's what and but, does any of that matter? Or does it matter that you just flat out, you're a rebel? Right. Amen. You're a rebel in your heart. Amen. And God doesn't think too greatly about rebels, does he? According to his own word. You, you, it, it'd be just the same. You can try to pretty it up and say, well, the people are the ones that actually did this. But I, I, I did this. And you can try to pretty it up and everything else. And God said, your rebellion is just like you were involved in witchcraft. Now that's wicked, isn't it? If if, if any of y'all seen me with a Ouija board at the house and pentagrams on the floor and the lights turned out and black lights on, I don't think you'd want me pastoring here anymore, would you? What about if I rebel against something God told me to? See how we just don't see things like God did. I would be like, well, we all kind of do that. But man, you're full of the devil out here worshiping the devil and Ouija boards and get out of here. God said the two are equal to me. So Saul said they, so he uses the inclusive word we on the good side, but they on the bad side. So they did this. They spared it because they were going to make an offering to the Lord. Our hearts were right. We didn't mean to, blah, 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 blah. It's not repentance. He doesn't care. He doesn't care he's offended God. He doesn't care to disobey God. What he cares about is just saving his own skin. Amen. Because here's the next part. Then we... The rest, we, not they, now he's involved because it's a good thing. We have utterly destroyed them. Samuel said to Saul, stay, and I'll tell you what the Lord said to me this night. He said to him, "Stay," stay on. Verse 17. And Samuel said when thou was little in sight Was thou not made head of the tribes of Israel And the Lord anointed thee king And the Lord sent thee on a journey And said go and utterly destroy the sinners The Amalekites To fight against them Until they be consumed Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord But didst fly upon the spoil And didst evil in the sight of the Lord And Saul said to Samuel in verse 20 Yea Excuse me I have obeyed the voice of the Lord He knows he hasn't He knows for a fact he's not obeyed it But that's what's coming out of his mouth why, why is it with some people? Can, can you explain something to me? Lying's not the characteristic of saved people. Just not. We're of the truth. We're of the day. I'm not saying a saved person can't do it, but we, our lives are not categorized. We know all liars have a part in the leg of fire, and he's a liar. He's the, he's, the, he's the greatest liar. That is a characteristic of our fallen nature of our old father, right? That shouldn't be in our life. We should, we should be pretty honest. Now, Why is it with some people, though, to get the truth out of them, you you have to start telling what you already know. Well, well, I already know. You know you can't tell me this because I was there when God said it. So you know that I know that. Then i got to start being wise and trying to trick you into telling me the truth. Why do I have to do that? Why can't I just say, Cyrus, what happened? And just get the 100% fact. You know, that's the way it ought to be. Hunter, what happened? And just get it. Good and the bad. There's certain people I know, I don't want to ask them what happened. Because they'll tell everything. You're going to get the truth. Well, that was more, I didn't want to know that because now i got to spank one of them. Don't tell me all that. <laughs> and anyway. And so, why is it with some people though? you got to keep whittling on. It's like, you got to come back and say, well, you, you know, and you're having to play tricks with your kids. Like, well... Somebody, you, you've done seen, you done seen video evidence, proof of it. Okay, let's, let's, you've got an undoubted proof, but you're wanting to get them to tell the truth and teach them how to be honest, and you ask them, and so they'll tell you what they think. You, you know, you know, and then and then you have to come back and be like, well, that's not true. Wasn't so and so there because you saw the video. You know what happened, and so oh yeah, well yeah, they were there, and then they start changing the story to ad- start admitting what you've fed them to admit. They're not honest people. You're not honest. I told you the truth. No, you didn't. You withheld pretty important information, didn't you? Why do we do that with God? Well, like, well, God, I don't deserve this. I, I, I've, I've, I've been faithful to church all these years. Yeah, but are you just going to glass over all the other stuff? I mean, are we just going to ignore all the other stuff? We're going gonna to ignore all the times that we didn't witness and all the times that we did this and all the time we didn't give God glory and we weren't thankful. We murmured and complained. We're going to forget all that because we've been faithful to attend a, a meeting uh, three times a week for a couple years. And we think we can. <laughs> See, God's not looking at that. And so what I'm trying to say is what that will make you do is think of yourself higher than you should as though, God, I don't deserve this kind of treatment. Yeah, you do. God, this is harsh. I don't deserve. Man, Saul obeyed like 75% there. God, that's a little harsh. No, he disobeyed God's word. Amen. No, I haven't. Yeah, okay, buddy. Sure. He knows better. Listen, and we'll go. But look, look here. Verse 20. I've gone the way the Lord has sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief things. So here's a partial. Now we're getting a little bit more honest. We're what? We're third time into the story now? So we're, we're well, at least a second time, and Saul's telling it. These, the people like this drive me insane. I don't know why you can't just be honest. Why do you continue to lie and lie and lie and lie? Can I say something? If you get the reputation as a liar, it's almost impossible to ever reverse that reputation. People won't trust you with nothing. You know what? They'll tell a story if you've ever told it, and they'll say, Well, that comes from so and so, so keep that in mind. Y'all know what I'm saying? And they've been known to lie, so I don't know. That's just what they told me. So I don't know if you can trust it or not because they're the ones that said it. Your word means a lot. You better have a good name. And you, you, could, sooner, you could sooner recover from, a, from, a, from a, 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 a reputation of a drunk than you can a liar. Am I telling it right? That's the truth. Be honest. Hey, young people, be honest. I don't care what it costs you, and nobody's going to lie and tell you you're not going to get in trouble. Hey, that's the biggest lie. There's been nothing but problems coming to my life because I told the truth. <laughs> the principal be like, man, I wish you'd have just lied. I wouldn't have had to suspend you. No, I've just come to a point. I'm just telling you. You can just like your love. You're not going to get in trouble. Just tell me, and then you get in trouble. I mean, that just be honest because that's the right thing to do. And Saul starts backing up a little bit he said well I spared the king but the people took everybody else why are you even mentioning the people well why, why would you come why wouldn't you come to be honest well this person did this and that person did this God's not dealing with them he's dealing with you Young people, the Bible do children obey your parents. This is right in the Lord. It's the first commandment of the promise that your days may be long upon the earth. Now you can be a fatalist if you want to and think it doesn't matter what I do. I can go stand in the middle of I-40 with my hands up and if God's appointed to die, that's Calvinism. That's, that's fatalism, right? That's hard determinism. That's not the Bible. God's added years to people's life and he's took them away. And he's telling young people, if you'll obey your parents, which is right in the Lord, you can have de long days upon the earth. Amen. Amen. But here's what you're going to need to do. You're going to need to get honest and admit you're disobedient and you're a rebel. I don't care what your brother has done. I don't care what your sisters have done. I don't care what somebody in your youth group did. I don't care what your parents did. Some of y'all use your parents because they rebelled when they were older. You use it to excuse your sin. and that God will never stand for that. I don't care what your parents have done. God's going to hold you responsible. So it don't matter. Just be honest. But here we go again. Second time around. We're getting closer to the truth, but we're not there yet. So let's keep going. But the people did the rest. Verse 22, Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. You have a preacher. I know I disobeyed this one little area here this week, but what a sacrifice it is for me to be here, which is so untrue, number one. We ought to be honored to come in here. We're not giving God that. <laughs> but... We think we've offered up sacrifices and we've given things and we've praised him and and that's all wonderful. But what about all that disobedience to his word? What about all that? Well, I'm aware of it and I just, you know, I just kind of, well, you just what? You're going to deal with it or not? You can't, listen, God's not going to allow you to just gloss over it because you did a bunch of other good things. You better deal with the rebellion in your life or it'll deal with you. God's not letting it go. See, I let my kids buy with quite a bit because I understand what it's like to be a kid. God's not that way. He walked on this earth and lived perfect, never sinned once. Yeah. Amen. So you know what he expects you to do? Rise above sin, and live holy, right? And especially especially if you're going to be in leadership. And if you can't do that, we've given enough excuses to people to quit God because of what's been in pulpits. We need some integrity in our pulpits. And if you're not going to be that and you're not going to separate yourself under God and you're not going to live holy and you're not going to live righteously and godly in this present world, you've got no business in a pulpit. Amen. Stay out of it let somebody else do it. Yes. Amen. So Samuel said, The Lord of great then to obey the voice of sacrifice is harder better than the fat of rams. Verse 23, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou has rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Isn't that something? We don't ever like to think about that. We're always told how loving God is. Well, this great loving God, if you reject him, was going to reject you one day. That's just the reality of it. And you can tell people God loves sinners and God does love them. But I to tell you, you ought to have a little bit of fear in your heart. God's not sitting up in heaven biting his fingernails hoping you get saved. He wants you to be saved and he wants every man to come and honor. He's not willing any to perish. But if you reject him, he'll reject you. And when, when you find, the Bible said in the end days after that judgment seat, and there was found no place for them. You had no place for God on earth and God will have no place for you over there. That's the God of the Bible. And... So when we look at things and we look at our life and we and we and we try to justify ourselves or we uh, w- w- and what we're uh, how we're living, what we're acting, and what we're doing, uh, this matter of this matter of obeying God is serious. God's not fooling around with this thing, and God has commanded us to do some things. And if you if you just obey Him partway, it's like obeying Him not at all. You'll be judged just the same. See. A lot of of these young people, we were out one time not long ago and and there was a bunch of young people after a ball game that come in there and I'd never seen, I didn't know people dressed this ungodly. I'm honest with you. I had no idea that things out in this world were this bad. And uh, I'm sitting there at a table eating and I'm done with this. But I'm sitting there at a table eating and here comes in these folks and they walk in and I'm sitting there with my wife eating, and it was so bad, I told my wife, I said, we got to go. It's time to go. I'm not going to sit here and look at that. Now, some people don't think that's a big, big deal to dress in a way that makes everybody lust after you, but that, you can meet God with that if you want to. I think it's sin, I think it's wrong. And I'm not going to sit there and look at it. And uh, so I told my wife, I looked over there and I said, I know that if I'm having to keep my eye on you, then I've got two teenage boys that sure don't need to see this. We're gone. So I go there and I told them, I said, I gave the old. That means it's time to get up and roll. And, uh, and I, will, I will have to say this. I could see this. If we're not careful, here's where our attitude will be. We kind of look down on those people. Now, don't get me wrong. It's wicked to dress like that. But we'll get this idea. We're looking down on people like that. Well, I'm not going to be around that mess. How disgusting. How wicked. How good. And listen, I'm with you. I think it is disgusting for a man to let a 16-year-old daughter go out of the house where I can see every part of her body. That's disgusting to me. I think daddy's a pervert, if you ask me. Just my opinion. And I think a husband would be too if he's okay with, his, with everybody else looking at his wife like that. I don't want people to see my wife in her bra and panty. I, I don't understand all that. I don't, I don't have that kind of mindset as a man. But anyway... I'm with you that that's wrong and that's wicked and that's horrible. I'm with you on that. But I wonder if we have that same attitude now. Follow me. Do we have that same attitude when that week we've rebelled against the Word of God ourselves? Do we have that same disgust? I ought to have more disgust over the rebellion in my life than I do in someone else's. Right? So we can amen that, that man, um, uh, somebody ought to cover up and all those things and, and a man ought to keep his eyes to himself. It takes both groups doing what's right. And we can, we can amen on that. But here's what I'm trying to say. I, God is judging me and you a whole lot harsher when he sees the rebellion in our life against the revealed will of God. It wasn't questionable. It was written down plain and simple, black and white, as simple as the alphabet what that man was supposed to do. There was God left nothing open to interpretation. Kill every single one of them. I believe if he'd have left one man crippled and undead that God had been happy with him. He told him exactly what to do. Wipe them out. What did he do? Well, you know, we can get some of them, but, you know, we, get, we want to offer up. Now the people want to do this. It kind of makes them happy, so let's kind of do that for them. And folks, there's no place for my wants and my desires and my will any more than there is there, yours when it comes to God. Yeah, yeah. Right? we got to obey God. Amen. So i don't challenge you. I'm asking you now. I'm talking to Christians this morning. Now, if you're unsaved, but I'm talking to Christians the disgust that we get when we look out here in the world and we see, we see all these worldly things that we see and we look at those things and we look at them the way that we do. we I want this same kind of face to be turned right back around on what's in our life. If you're going to get somewhere with God, yes, you're going to have to have a holy hatred for sin, but you better start with yourself. I'm not excusing what other people want. I don't want no part of that. I don't want my kids wearing it. I don't want my wife dressing All that, I, I, I'm with you. But I definitely don't want rebellion against what I do know for a fact is wrong. And excuse that, but be harsh on other people. Right? But this is what happens to a selfish man. He doesn't see himself nearly as wrong as he sees everybody else. See, it's okay that I saved get, but they're the ones that took the sheep and the oxen and the people and the... But when you become selfish and you become self centered and you start to lose the direction of the Holy Spirit, you're, you're, you, will, you will start having that outward look towards everyone else and you will lose that proper reflection on yourself that you must have. You know what we are? Somebody done said it when they prayed. I made Brother Oliver. We're nothing. We're nothing. Without God, we're nothing. Saul? You were commanded what to do. I don't know about you all, but when I tell Hunter, he had to go to AutoZone the other day, and I don't think he read the full text, and he come back with only one of the two things I needed, and you couldn't do the one without the other. Thinking, man, I got to go myself now. That's a terrible... But you understand what I'm saying? If God expects something out of you, you better do all of it and don't leave nothing undone. It's all selfish, sinful, disobedient to the will of God. Disregard in his worship. You see where he's starting to go down now? Is it any shock to any of us? And we'll read this last verse. Let's go home. Oh my, oh my. I'm sorry. I didn't pay attention to the time this morning. Okay, so and, uh, read this last part and let's go. And Samuel said, hath the Lord, and, but, but the people. Remember, now here's the second part of the story. And uh, rebellions, the sin of witchcraft. Look at verse 24. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned. I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. And the words, because I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. Now stand to your feet. I apologize. I usually try to keep a little closer eye. Come on up here. What a horrible admission. So, can I say something? When it comes to obeying God or men, you better obey God. And what he did was, he got his eyes on everybody else. He's starting to worry about how they're sinning, what they're doing, what they're involved in, what, they're, what they did. And he's not reflecting on himself. He is losing his direction, and he is going to crash and burn as a Christian. And can I exhort you young people before we leave here? I'm going to tell you what's burning on my heart. I'm going to exhort some young people something. God's not fooling around with this stuff. You might be, God's not. If God's told you to obey your parents, to me, you rebelling against that word is like you being involved in idolatry and witchcraft, according to this Bible. You better better obey. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And don't judge yourself by what you wear when you're a rebel in your heart. Because some people think they dress right and they got that on their checklist and so that they're better than everybody else. But they're rebels in their hearts and they're rebels in their homes. better obey God. Lord, we love you. Thanks for the help this morning. You've been so gracious. God, help us to be more serious about the things of God. These aren't, expect, these aren't suggestions in the Bible. You've commanded us to do some things. Help us to be obedient. We're more obedient to the words of men than we are the word of God. God, help us. Help us to obey the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need to come, come on.